Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to our podcast. My name is Daniel. My wife, Megan, and I are the location pastors here at Destiny Church, Nuremberg Region. We know that today's message will bless and encourage you because the Bible tells us that the Word of God is alive and active. If you want to connect in with us, be sure to subscribe to this podcast, follow us on social media, or visit our website at destinychurch.de. Let's get into the Word. just started a series called from the journal from the journal and and I said last week to everybody who was here I said this it's this is simply my excuse to preach whatever I want to preach that's it you know I don't feel controlled by a theme of we just did read your read your bible how to dive into God's word and we got out of a series before that called upper room a topic on the Holy Spirit and um, but this you know I just felt I've got some messages that have been in my uh, Evernote, in my digital notes that I haven't preached, and it's like I don't know where they fit. So I'm just going to I'm gonna do a series where I can preach whatever the heck I want to preach. Come on, somebody, and you get to listen. So welcome to being here, to listening. But the word I have today is, I, you know, for everybody who's not here, you're lucky you're here, not because of this great word that I have, um, but this is something that God spoke to me and this isn't normal because normally I was telling somebody yesterday I normally will preach a message one time it's one and done I won't preach it I won't preach it here and then somewhere else I just I I don't know but there's some messages that normally God speaks to me first and then I'll preach it multiple times because I feel like God isn't done with it yet if that makes sense like I just feel like it's those it's those messages that God isn't done with. In fact, I just got done speaking this message to a church in India yesterday. I was online with Mahindra and his uh, and his cousin's church, and we were there, and I shared this message um, with them because I felt like this was a message that God wasn't done with. And this this was something that God was speaking to me in a in a tough season or coming out of a tough season, really coming out of. Um, coming out of pandemic mode and kind of the mentality of of that and lockdown and being discouraged and can I just tell you the pandemic for a pastor was uh, pretty discouraging especially the moments that we never got to see anybody in person I just had to listen I had this camera in my living room and I had to stare into it and just believe in faith that people were on the other side you know what I'm talking about I just had to I'm like I don't get to see anybody um, and this is what I'm moved here to do. And there was moments of discouragement. Um, so this is a message that God gave me coming out of that season. But before we dive into that, can we pray? We're going to be in Genesis chapter 26 today. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that it does not return to you void, that it accomplishes everything that you sent it to do. God, we just invite you, Holy Spirit, into this place to do what only you can do. We need you to transform us from the inside out. We need you, Jesus. All I want is you. Those lyrics we sang, all I want is you. All I need is you, Jesus. Because we don't need, we don't need lights. We don't need camera. We don't need action. We don't need all the fluff. But Jesus, ultimately, we need you. And if we don't have you, if you're not present, if we don't have a raw encounter with your presence today in the room, then what did we even come here for? If we didn't, what did we even log in online for? What was the point if we didn't come to meet with you corporately together? God, and then our, 
that our worship today, that our, that our worship, whether it was singing songs or listening and preaching and communicating the word, God, we pray today that our worship would be acceptable to you, God, and that you would, God, you would wreck us in a good way today. You would wreck us in a good way. God, the, 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 those of us maybe who have walked in this room with maybe our passion dwindled. We've walked in this room feeling our tanks are on empty. Maybe we've walked in this space and we feel like we don't have it all together and we're wondering why we're even here. <laughs> Maybe we walked in today and we felt shame and condemnation for the things we said on the ride over. Maybe we walked in feeling unworthy, but God, today only you can transform. You see us through the eyes and the lens of Jesus today. And we thank you that you're going to do something fresh in us. In Jesus' name, amen. It won't be too long of a sermon because the notes came on, okay? So I won't go on any rabbit trails. Okay, I can't promise that. I can't promise the rabbit trail, sorry. Uh, but listen, I don't know seriously if you've been through a season. Now, we've all been through a global pandemic. I get that. We could talk about that until... Uh, until we're dead. We're going to tell stories to our grandkids one day about the global pandemic that happened. Hopefully they never have to go through anything like that. And we're going to be like, yeah, I remember. I remember when uh, COVID happened and we had to wear the masks. And uh, You know, we're going to tell stories about that. We've all been through that. We've all been through that season. And your season looked differently than other seasons. You lost friends, maybe. You lost family members. Some of us, you, you were in lockdown. You didn't get to go anywhere. Your plans were scratched. Everyone has a different experience through it all. Um, and God still, I don't know about you, but did some good things inside my heart in that season. But still, it was a season that wasn't fun. It was still a trial. It was still a rough moment. Um, it was not a season I want to go back through again. But maybe there's other seasons that you've been through in your life where, or there's moments where you feel empty. I don't know if you've ever felt empty before. This message came to me in a season where I was feeling empty. Can I tell you that, yes, I'm a pastor, but pastors can feel empty. And, and maybe you've been in that season where you just felt empty and you don't want to tell anybody you feel empty. Your tank's empty because there's too much pride going on and you're like, I'm not supposed to be empty. Why am I empty? And you don't want to talk about it because maybe you look less spiritual or maybe you look less strong. I just felt empty. I just felt so empty. Maybe the passion for whatever it was that you were doing is gone. Maybe... Maybe it's like the breath was knocked out of you in your life. Maybe you felt overwhelmed. Anybody ever felt overwhelmed before? Only two people in the room. Okay, you guys are really spiritual. Hallelujah. I'm going to let you preach the message next week. Maybe, maybe it's just coming out of a tragedy, rejection, failure. You guys know what I'm talking about, those moments that it just feels like everything is gone. Maybe there's no light at the end of the tunnel. You feel shame. You feel condemnation. You just feel, you just feel empty. Like I can't go on anymore. I want to preach to you today. The title of the message is this. Is dig a well. Dig a well. Because I believe what God was telling me in that season when I was feeling empty when I was feeling, I, I, I kind of lost a little bit of passion here. He told me, he said, Daniel, dig a well. Dig a well. I said, what are you talking about? Dig a well. 
I got running water. Dig a well. And what he was trying to tell me was, is there's a spiritual well that you tap into when you're going through seasons where you feel empty. When you're going through seasons where you feel dry, he's given us the ability to tap into a well of living water. This isn't a physical well, but this is a spiritual well that if you would tap into it, you would have, you would have access to the refreshing presence and spirit of God. To get you through seasons that you don't know how to get through yourself. To get you through seasons that you don't see the way out. To get you through moments of where your passion's gone. Dig a well. Turn to your neighbor tell him, dig a well. Maybe for some of you, your relationship with God seems to have dwindled. The flame and the relationship with Jesus seems to be mediocre. Like you remember the moment that you gave your life to Jesus a year ago, five years ago, 20 years ago, 30. You remember those moments of just complete surrender as Roland was talking about where you just like, I, I don't, I'm all in Jesus. Maybe you remember those moments, but maybe now you're just on autopilot. Like you got really good. I'll just be transparent. I, can, I got really good at Christian talk. You know what I'm saying? I got really good at what to say even if I didn't feel okay. I, I, got, I got good at saying I'm good. I got, I got good at writing sermons. See, when I, when I first wrote a sermon, when I first had to preach the very first time, I didn't go to Bible college, I didn't have schooling. I had, to com I had complete surrender. I remember crying on my knees at a youth service saying, God, I don't know what to say. I need you. Complete surrender. But now I know how to write a three-point sermon with a sticky statement and an intro and an outro and to land the plane. And yes, I go on rabbit trails sometimes. But it's easy when you've learned how to do something to lose your passion and to lose your surrender. And when that happens, I believe God is telling us we need to dig a well. Genesis 26, are you ready? It says this, now there was a famine in the land. There was a famine. Somebody say empty. Besides the previous famine in Abraham's time, and Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, do not go down to Egypt to live in the land where I tell you. No, live in the land where I tell you to live. Watch this. Stay in this land for a while, and I will be with you and will bless you. For you and your descendants, I will give all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. There was a famine in the land. There was empty. This, there was no supply. And Isaac could have went to Egypt and he could have had supply. He could have went to Egypt. He could have had refreshing. He could have went to Egypt. He could have had the meat. He could have had the table set for him. But God said, no, 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 no. I want you to stay in the land. What? You want me to stay in the place where there's a famine? Doesn't God love me? Why would God put me here? Oh, have you ever said that? Why would God take me through this if he loves me? He said, stay in the land. But can I tell you that when you're like Isaac and you're faithful in the famine, God will make you fruitful. If you're just faithful to stay where God has put you and to walk through those valleys of the shadow of death, 
if you're willing to stay planted and to, instead of running from and aborting the calling that God has on your life, just because you're going through a tough time, if you're willing to be faithful, you'll be fruitful. If you're willing to stay, God will supply what you need. And he told Isaac, he said, I want you to stay in the land. Stay in the land. He said, I'll make you and your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give them all these lands. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because Abraham obeyed me and did everything I required of him, keeping my commands, my decrees, and my instructions. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. He was faithful. He was faithful in the middle of a famine. And I think some of us, when we're going through a dry season, we easily find our places to run to. We find our Egypts to run to. We find our places of comfort to go to. If, if this can just be a transparent Sunday, there's places I like to run to. I, I would love to sit on Netflix and binge watch some TV shows and forget about all my problems. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I, 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 those, are my, those are my comfort blankets. I would love to eat a tub of Ben and Jerry's. I ate half of one last night. Not a tub. Come on, guys. Seriously, a tub, you know, like a two-shot like two tub, like a two-night tub. But I love to eat a two-night tub in, a one, in one night and drown all my sorrows away. Ben and Jerry's half-baked, you know? I would love to do that. Somebody say amen for Ben and Jerry's. Come on, okay. I would, it, it's easy to run to Egypt. It's easy to run to those places of temporary pleasure and temporary satisfaction. But God is saying, stay faithful in the famine. Stay faithful in the place that's painful. Stay faithful in that place. And if you will, I'll make you fruitful. I will bring fruit out of this season. It may look like everyone else around you is fruitless, but I'll make you fruitful. Because you're faithful. You're faithful. I'm going to skip down to verse 12. It says this, Isaac planted crops in that land. And the same year he reaped a hundredfold. Because the Lord blessed him. Everyone's looking for a blessing from somewhere else. We're looking, we're looking for a blessing from uh, we're looking for a blessing from our bonus. We're looking for a blessing from our, our relationship. We're looking to get blessed somewhere, but it said the Lord blessed him. The blessing that's going to sustain you will come from nowhere else other than the Lord. It was the Lord who blessed him. It wasn't, listen, it wasn't Isaac's skill to plant. It wasn't his skill to be a farmer. It says the Lord blessed him. The man became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. Haters gonna hate. The Philistines were watching Isaac plant crops and reap not just, not just 80, not just 90, but a hundredfold of what he planted. Everything he planted flourished. Everything he put his hand to flourished. He became rich. He became wealthy. And the Philistines look on and they envied him. They envied him. 
Because people will see the fruit coming out of your life that God is producing, and they're going to say, how do I get that? Here's, a, here's just a question to you. What is the fruit that's coming out of your life? What is the fruit that's being produced in your life? They, they envy them, and then it says this. So all the wells that his fathers had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up, filling them with water. Sorry, filling them with earth. Filling them with earth. The Philistines envied Isaac's wealth, envied the blessing. And so they took the wells that his father Abraham dug and they filled them with earth. They filled them with dirt. Can I just tell you that the enemy will try to frustrate your fruitfulness? Let, can I say it this way? When you're going through something, when, you're go, when, when the enemy's attacking, it is a good sign that God is producing fruit through you. And the enemy would love for you to stop producing by his attack. His attack on your life. The pressure and the overwhelm, the, the, the anxiety that he places, the fear and the doubt and the worry. He would love to throw dirt on your fruit. He would love to throw dirt on the purpose and the plan that God has for your life to frustrate your fruitfulness. The enemy wants to frustrate what God is doing by throwing dirt on it. It's your fruitfulness. And sometimes I think we, we so often look at the problem and the situation going on in our life. Anybody, is anybody like that, like me? Like you're going through something, all you can think about is the thing that's going wrong, but you can't. And then everything that's going right is drowned out. Everything that's going good in your life, everything that's going for you doesn't matter anymore because of the one thing that's going wrong. And that's what the enemy would love to do is to get you to focus on the things that are going wrong. He'd love to frustrate and distract you from the fruit that's taking place in your life. And so he throws dirt on it. He throws dirt on the spiritual wells in your life. And so that you get stopped up, so that the spiritual well inside of you the living water inside of you gets stopped up. Let's talk about the dirt for a second. Genesis chapter 2, we'll go all the way back, and we're going to talk about the dirt. Here we go. I said to Ezra, my oldest son, because I always tell them in the, in the yard, in the garden, I say, stop digging. It looks like dogs. We don't even have dogs. It looks like dogs have been in our yard. There's holes everywhere. I said to him, go, go get me some dirt. He said, huh? I said, yeah, go dig in the garden and get me some dirt. And he, he thought I was like, testing him you know I had to like no I'm not gonna you're not gonna get in trouble go get some dirt so he got me some dirt today he got me some dirt watch I told him not to get wet dirt he didn't listen it was all wet I guess I don't know if you can see the dirt in my hand that would be crazy if like a worm crawled out of that one Genesis chapter 2 let me let, let's talk about the dirt then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground I want, to, I want to tell you what the dirt is. Then God formed the man out of the dust of the ground. Roland talked about it when he was doing the ministry moment. He said, he said, oh man, God loves to create something out of something messy. God loves to take something out of something that nobody else could create. And he loves to make something beautiful out of the dirt. He made us out of the dirt. He made you out of dirt. Did you know that? 
He made us out of dirt. God made dirt. Dirt don't hurt. Anybody heard that? Anyway. He formed the man out of the dust of the ground. And then it says he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. It was, it was the breath of God that made the dirt come alive. So the dirt, listen to me. Your, your dirt, the dirt is our flesh. It's the cares of this world. It's the cares of this world. I need you to connect the dots with me today. It's the cares of this world. And the Philistines would love and the enemy would love to throw the cares of this world on the purpose and the spirit of God coming out of your life. He, he would love to throw the worries and the anxiety. It's the, it's the stuff that you worry about. It's your fleshly nature that Galatians talks about. It's the, it's the flesh. It's the selfish, selfish desires in your heart. They say, I, I, I want to get mine. It's your flesh. And if it wasn't for the breath of God, we would have no life in us. We would just be, we would be dirt. It's the Spirit of God in us. Did you know that you are a spirit? You live, in a, you live in a body, and you have a soul, which is your mind, will, and emotion. You're a spirit. It's the breath. But what happens is, is there's this constant tug of war. I don't know if you've ever felt it between your flesh. Come on, Daniel, eat the whole tub of Ben and Jerry's today. You can do it. Come on. You just go on an extra long run tomorrow. Amen? Eat that Ben and Jerry's and your, and, and your spirit that says, hey, spend some time with the Lord. No, 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 I want to eat, eat some Ben and Jerry's and I want to finish that season uh, that I've been watching on Netflix. I'll spend time with God later. He knows. He likes this season too. And, and there's this constant battle. Paul even said it, which encourages me because the apostle Paul said, I keep doing what I don't want to do. I keep doing the things I don't want to do. What he was saying was there's a tug of war going on between my flesh and my spirit. There's a tug of war. And the enemy wants to frustrate you by throwing dirt, by using your flesh, by using your selfish desires, by using those tragic moments, by using the rejection that hurts your heart and you've held on to the bitterness for so long. You've held on to the pain and the bitterness and he wants to use it to to dampen the spirit inside of you, to dampen the well inside of you. He didn't mean for the dirt to cover up the spirit. He meant for it to contain it. He meant for it to carry it. He meant for the dirt to be a vessel to carry the spirit of God. But so often we cover it up. What am I meant to do with this dirt now? I think I think this is why when I was when I was living it, living for the world and living for my selfish desires, I'm just going to process with you for a second. I think this is why when I would go out and party on the weekends, when I was in high school and when I was in uh, when I was in, I had my own apartment by myself, I would I'd go party on the weekends, and we would go hang out with girls and we would go get drunk, we would get high, and I was like, oh, this is awesome, and Saturday night was really good. And, and, and what I was doing was, is I was trying to fill an emptiness inside of me with my selfish desires. 
But I think this is why that when I woke up the next morning, I still felt like dirt. Because I didn't have the breath of life in me. Because I didn't have the spirit of God. I didn't, I didn't have the surrender to say, Jesus, I want you Lord of my life. And he, and he blows that breath back into my lungs. It's the moment when, it's, it, it's, it's when you feel shame and condemnation for what you did. That's why you feel like dirt when you do it. That's why the enemy would love for you to feel the shame and condemnation. He would love for you to be so aware of the dirt in your life that you abort the calling of God in your life. There's a constant battle. Watch this. Romans 8.11 says it this way. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. Like the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Listen. Of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. Like, do you can you even capture? Like, if He revealed Himself to you, like we're we're blessed. We don't explode because of the Spirit of God inside of us. Roland, can I have that other microphone there? Can you bring that? Check. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, Mahindra. Guys, seriously, just for a moment, can you close your eyes with me? Because I, 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 I need you to capture this. The Spirit of God lives inside of you. When you've given your life to Him and you've allowed Him into the Spirit of God lives inside of you. Like, we should be walking around like spiritual giants. Like, what? What's up? What's up? He raised Jesus from the dead and he lives inside of me. The spirit of God. Now continue on. Romans 8, 11, The spirit of Jesus from the dead living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to what? To your mortal bodies. Will give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Because of his spirit who lives in you. Otherwise, we're just walking, we're the walking dead. When he breathes his life into me, that's when I have life. That's when I have breath. That's when I have purpose. That's when I have the giftings and the talents that he's given me to walk forward and move forward in my life. It's the well, listen to me, it is the well inside of you that is meant to be tapped into. But so often we go through life and it's like the slow trickle of the dirt covers up the well. Verse 18, I got to go, but we're going to, we're going to, I am going to be long. Verse 18, Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died. And he gave them the same names his father had given them. Isaac redug the wells, but he, guess what he didn't do? He didn't say, oh man. That name that dad gave him, that's, uh, that's old school. You know, that's an old school name. I like the new stuff. I like the, I like the new songs with the synth pads in them, you know. I don't like It Is Well With My Soul anymore. We don't sing amazing. That's, that's not cool anymore, you know. We don't sing that old stuff anymore. It's the new stuff. It's, this is new school. That's old school. No, he gave them the same names because digging wells is generational. 
digging wells is Isaac understood something. To dig, to dig wells that had already been dug before. What I'm trying to tell you is, is that there's wells that have been dug before you ever existed, before you were ever born. There's wells that maybe your parents, maybe your grandparents, maybe your great ancestors begin to pray. And there's heritage and there's lineage and there's people that were in this city or in the city that you live in or where you're from that were praying that have gone before us. And what we're meant to do is redig some wells that have gone before us. Digging wells is generational. He named them the same names. Isaac's servants, verse 19, dug, dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. But the herders of Gerar quarreled with those of Isaac and said, the water is ours. So he named that well Isaac. Because they dis disputed with him, then they dug another well, but they quarreled over that one also. So he named it Sitna. He moved on from there and dug another well. And no one quarreled over it. He named it Rehoboth, saying, Now the Lord has given us room, and we will flourish in the land. You see, even when he came up against resistance, he kept digging wells. Somebody say, Keep digging. Anybody ever seen the movie Holes? Diggity dig. Whatever. I don't know the song. But you know what I'm talking about. Shia LaBeouf. I got the spirit of Shia LaBeouf. Come on. Dig some wells. Keep digging. Isaac said, you know what, it's not going to stop me just because I had some frustrating moments digging the first well. I'm going to dig another well. And when that doesn't work, I'm going to dig another well. I'm going to keep digging. Because some of us got some stopped up wells inside of us that we need to dig. We need to dig. From there, he went up to Beersheba. That night, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. So do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bless you, and I will increase the number of your descendants. For the sake of my servant, servant Abraham. Isaac built an altar there. And called on the name of the Lord. There he pitched his tent. And there his servants dug a well. Somebody say dig a well. I, I, did, some, I did some research. And I discovered that. That they, they build aqueducts in the mountains. They would build aqueducts to get water in the mountains. But they dug wells in the valley. Wells were dug in the valley. Oh, you know, that's good news for you and me because that means in your deepest, darkest valley, there's a well there. There's a well there to be dug. I don't care how far you've been gone. I don't care how far what you did or what they've done to you. There's a well there. There's a well to be dug there. I don't care how far your mind has gone into the negative and into depression and into fear and into anxiety. I don't care how dark the night is. There is a well there in that valley to be dug. Say, dig a well. When you talk back to me, I preach faster. That's why I'm taking a long time. So, so, so you're probably wondering, how do I dig a well then? How do I dig a well? I just want to show you what God showed me and maybe what's worked for me. Isaac, in verse 25, it said, Isaac built an altar there. Isaac built an altar there. An altar speaks of surrender, what Roland was talking about. It speaks of surrender. If you want to dig a well, you first have to learn how to surrender. You have to dig on your knees and surrender. You're going to have to get dirty. You, what, what, you're going to have to surrender your plans and your purpose. You're going to have to su surrender the way you think is the way out of this mess. The way you think to dig this well, the way you think to get refreshment. You're going to have to surrender. And when you first surrender to him, 
is the first step into digging a well. You have to dig on your knees and surrender. There has to be an intentionality to it. There has to be a moment to say, I give up. I've tried everything, God. I've tried it all, and there's nothing left for me to give. This was the moment I gave my life to Jesus when I tried everything. When I was at the end of me is at the beginning of my relationship with God. I've got to come to the end of myself and say, I've tried it all. I need you. I need you. I love the story of William Booth. William Booth started the organization called Salvation Army. And it used to be an evangelical organization where they would just go preach the gospel in some of the hardest places, mostly in Europe. And they, they, they established these places called stations. It's where the missionaries would go. We were at stations. And in the Salvation Army, they would have these people manning these stations, and they would go into pubs, and they would preach the gospel, most of the time getting stoned and beaten um, after preaching the gospel. And they were, they were going through rough times, and one of the station leaders, or the group that was at the station, sent a telegram to William Booth, the leader. And they say, and they say this in the telegram, would you kindly move us to another station? We're so tired and disheartened. We've tried everything that we've been taught to do. Have you ever felt like you've tried everything that you've been taught to do? We've tried everything we've been taught to do. Please move us to another location. You can imagine them writing this telegram with, with bruises, broken limbs from being stoned in tough places in Europe, bleeding. We've tried everything. We've gone through the training. We've tried everything we know to do. Please get us out of here. And William Booth must have not have been a very compassionate man because he wrote his shortest telegram back to them. And this is what he said. After they said, we've tried everything. He said, try tears. Try tears. And that speaks to me because, because in my deepest, darkest moments, some of the things and the place where I found refreshing is in my tears. And it's not easy for me to cry, not because I'm tough, but because I'm, I have pride in my life. It's not easy, but it's those moments I remember. I, oh, I remember this, this ugly tan chair that used to be in our first house, and I remember being so broken a moment in my life, and I remember kneeling down at that chair with my tears, soaking the chair, beating the chair, like I'm having a battle with the chair. I'm beating it, yelling, God, why? Why am I going through this? Help me, God. I've done everything I know to do. Why me? And it was my tears in that moment of surrender that refreshed me. I remember the moment that I, I still was trying to figure out this whole Christianity thing, and then people were weird, ra raising their hands in worship around me. I'm like, what are they doing? Are they asking the teacher a question or something? I'm like, what is all this? They're worshiping. And, and, and I'm like, I'm never, I'm never going to do that. I remember being in a young adult service and the worship team is going, it's like a night of worship. I remember God speaking to my heart saying, hey, I want you to get on your knees. And I'm like, ah. Oh. I was single at the time, ready to mingle. And I wasn't about to get on my knees in front of the, in front of the other single ladies. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm strong like that. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And I just remember him keep saying, get on your knees, get on your knees, get on your knees. I'm like, that's crazy. That's for the crazy people. And I just remember they had pews in that church. And I just remember it was like, it was almost like mad magnets sucking my knees to the ground. 
And it was this moment, as soon as my knee literally touched the ground, it was like, it was like electricity hit me. Uh, and and, and, and t- all, all that could happen was tears. I didn't know what to pray, I didn't know what to say, just tears started flowing as soon as my knees hit the ground because it was a posture and a moment of surrender. All my pride was gone at that moment. I didn't care who was looking at me. It's tears. You got to dig on your knees and surrender. And then it says this, and then it says he calls on the name of the Lord. He calls on the name of the Lord. Now, if you're like me, there's moments when you're going through something you don't want to talk to God. Like, that's the last thing you want to think about. I'm not going to pray right now. I'm going to hit the spreadsheet and try to figure my way out of this thing, you know? I'm going to call some friends who know what they're doing to get me, to get me out of this. I'm going, to, I'm going to find counsel in somebody. I'm going, to, I'm going to call. Prayer, what are you talking about? He said, I, he called on the name of the Lord. He called on the name of the Lord. You've got to dig a well with your voice in praise. I can't, I, I, I wish I could just like, I wish I could just get this to you because it, it, it's these moments that I, when I'm going through something, listen, if you've ever heard me sing, if you've ever been around, I do not sing good, but when I, but I'll be, a, I'll be alone in the house. I'll be rocking my kids to sleep. I'll be on the trail in the backwoods of Germany. They don't know what I'm saying anyways, and they don't know me. And so I'll, I'll be singing on the trail. I'll be singing the, I'll be singing songs. And I'm, what I'm doing is I'm lifting my voice in praise, but I'm doing it even when I don't feel like it. Like I'm singing even when I don't feel like it. I'm lifting my voice. I praise you, Lord. And kind of internally, I'm thinking, what do I even have to praise him about? Everything's going wrong. I feel like trash. I feel like dirt. What am I supposed to praise about? But I just, what I'm doing is, is I'm digging a well because I know there's water in there and I know I'm just praising. I praise you, God. I lift my voice to you. I give you honor. I give you praise. You are the king of kings. I thank you, God, for the situation I'm in. I thank you for what you're teaching me. Sometimes we need to pray. Thank you, God, for what you're teaching me in this moment. And I'll be singing songs. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. I'm like, I don't feel like a sanctuary right now. It is well. And nothing looks well with my soul. With my soul. And I'm singing these old songs because I'm digging a well that went before me. I'm not singing, I'm not singing Hillsong Young and Free. They're really cool. But it, there's moments where I got to go dig a well from the past that's been dug before me that I used to sing in the Presbyterian church when I used to open up the hymn books. And I used to sing those songs as the deer panteth forth the water. And I'm singing those songs straight out of scripture. You alone are my strength, my shield. And I'm singing those songs. And can I just, can I just tell you that when I do that, you should try it. Do it when you're alone. Do it when you're in the car and nobody else can see you. Just put a Bluetooth thing on. Just put an AirPod in and somebody think you're singing uh, Justin Bieber's greatest hits, you know, and you start singing, start singing those old hymns. And what can I tell you and encourage you that you're digging a well. And when you do that, you're going to experience a moment of breakthrough. You're going to experience a moment of living water. Christine, you can come because it's going to make me go. It's going to make me end. I'm ending. I promise. You've got to dig with your voice in praise. The Bible says in Psalms 22, you sit as king upon the praise of Israel. God inhabits your praise. God sits upon your praise. If you want God to come into the situation, then you need to initiate the vehicle that, uh, which he sits upon. Praise. 
I need God to intervene. So I start praising him. God, I praise you. I don't feel like it, but I praise you. And then it says he pitched a tent there. The last thing I want, I want you to know is, is that you need to dig where you live. You need to dig where you live. Because some of us would love to come to Sunday morning and log in online. and We would love to do that. And this would be the only well that we drink from. But you, your, your kids need to see that you got a well in the house. Your kids need to see you worship. Your kids need to see you sing off tune to God even when your situation isn't so good. Your kids need to see you pray in the Spirit. Your kids need to see you going before God. Your your co-workers, your job needs a well there. Like, the people that work around you should be like, what is this dude on? What kind, what kind of new drugs are out there? Like, I, like he's told me what's going on in his life, but, but I, he won't stop smiling. It's kind of creepy. Like, he's still joyful. He's, he's still God. I don't know what it is he has. And what he sees in your life, what they see in your life is a well of living water there that you've dug that sustains you in the hardest times of your life. You need to dig where you live. It needs to be a part of your your daily life. If you didn't drink water, if you only drank water on Sundays, you'd be dehydrated. You You need to have a well at your house. You need to have a well at your work. You need to dig a well in the car and in the bus and in the train on your commute. You need to get excited about the commute. You know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait because I I put a well there. I put a well there. I can't wait to get there. I can't wait to get there. I don't always love rocking my youngest kid to bed, but there's moments where I'm like, I just need to go to the well. And I just use that as an excuse as a busy parent to rock my kid to sleep and sing those old songs. And he's he's getting to hear some... He's going to hear his dad worship off key. I hope he doesn't learn that from me. I hope he gets his mom's voice in Jesus' name. But I'm sitting there rocking. I'm I'm rocking Luca. And I'm singing, it is well with my soul. And I'm just thinking about all the stuff I could be stressed about and worried about. And it's trying to come up in my mind. And I'm thinking, I just got to put him to sleep so I can go get done what I need to get done. And I, I need to talk this through. And there's this moment I'm just singing, what can wash away my sins? I'm singing that song. Anybody know that song? What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And we don't sing that in church much because first time guests be like, what's the blood of Jesus? What's that about? Oh, my God. But I'm singing it to my kids, you know. <laughs> uh, and, I, and, and what I want you to understand is I'm digging a well there. I'm digging a well. Because I need to be encouraged in the Lord. When Ezra, our oldest, was born, we, it was about two weeks later, we found, we, we found blood in his stool and we took him to the hospital. The short story is for three weeks, he was in a, he was in a cancer wing of 
the hospital and the doctors were trying to figure out for three weeks without knowing what was going on, why his platelets were low. He had IVs stuck in his, in his head. They would put, to keep the IV in, they would put a board basically to keep his arms straight and IVs in. And I just remember first child as a parent, well, first child was actually a miscarriage before that, so this was extremely discouraging. And then I'm seeing him with needles stuck in his head and his, and his arms. Doctor saying, "We don't know what this is. We don't know what this is. One of the top, one of the top ones in the area." And these were like, "We don't, we don't know what this is." For three weeks, they didn't know what was going on. For three weeks, and so I just remember being in that hospital room and um, the song. Um, I don't even remember. It's "Lion and the Lamb," maybe uh, that that was on. I don't know the name of the song, but I remember the lyrics, and we used to just sing it in the hospital room. Our God is a lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. This is the Lion of the Lamb. Our God is a lion. And we would just sing it, man, and the nurses probably thought we were nuts, you know? Like, what is going on in there? He's the Lion of Judah. And we were just singing in the hospital room, and, and, and it was shifting kind of, it was shifting the atmosphere. It was shifting any negativity that was in there. And what we were doing is we were digging a well in that hospital room. I dug a well in that hospital room in South Alabama. There's a well there. There's a well there. And you know what? When I sing that song now, it does something in my heart that, it would, that other songs don't do. Because I dug a well there. I dug a well there. Some of you go back to an old church building or an old campground where you went to youth camp or something and you could, you could just walk on the premises and it would just like affect you because there was a well that was dug, dug there. Redig a well that's been dug in your life. Redig a well. Can you stand to your feet with me? First, we need to dig on our knees and surrender. We need to dig. We need to surrender if we want to dig a well. I, I, hopefully, I'm teaching you something and giving you something of value today that you can take into your life and that when you go through dry seasons, when you feel empty, that when you're going through something, when the flesh and the enemy tries to throw the dirt on your purpose and calling, you dig a well. Um, hopefully, you're learning to dig a well. And maybe you don't necessarily like to sing. I don't know what it is for you, but you need to dig a well. You need to give God praise when you don't feel like it. When you don't feel like saying anything, when you don't feel like praising him, you need to give him praise anyways. So with all of our eyes closed today, we dig a well first in surrender. If that's you today, and I just want to give us the opportunity because I want to pray with you. I want to dig a well with you today. I want to dig a well with you today. If you're digging a well, if you want to dig a well today, say, man, I'm digging in surrender. Just lift both of your hands. Nobody's, this isn't a call you out moment. This is just between us and God, but it's a posture of surrender. Just like when I hit my knees, I'm digging a well. I'm digging a well in surrender. I'm saying it is well with my soul even when I don't feel like it. It is well with my soul even when I don't see the promise, even when I don't see the fulfillment, it is well. We're digging a well. We give you praise today, God. We honor you today, God. We lift our voice and we say, thank you for getting me through and taking me through. Thank you that you walk with me through the valley of the shadow of death. Thank you that you are the living water, that we can look everywhere else for fulfillment, everywhere else to sustain us. But God, you are the living water. We need you today. We don't need anything else to sustain us. We need 
you, Jesus. And we pray today that a well would be dug in our life that would keep us afresh, that would keep us anew. God, that we would be digging wells in surrender and praise. We would be digging them, God, in our homes, where we live, in our workspaces. We would dig a well. We would dig a well. We're digging a well today. We thank you, Jesus. God, I just thank you for everyone in this space and watching online who's going through it, who's in the middle of the valley, who's been, dirt's been thrown on their calling, on their purpose, on their passion. Maybe fear and anxiety has been ruling their life. God, I just pray the wellspring of living water that your word talks about would just burst today. That it would be like, it would be like a waterfall. It would be like a burst of fresh water into their life. We just believe that today. That there would be a well in a dry and weary season, in a dry and weary land. I just... For that person today that feels like dirt because they feel like they don't have value, because they feel like they don't have purpose. And so actually, really, they just identify with the dirt. They just identify with lack of value and feel like they have nothing to offer the world. I just speak a word to that person and say that the Spirit of God lives in you. That's what makes you valuable. The Spirit the handcrafted design that he designed you before you were even in your mother's womb. You have value because he says you have value. He's the one who puts his mark and his signature upon your life. As Roland said, the great artist, he's marked you. He's put his signature on you and he says you're valuable. He says there is no money that can buy. There is no uh, there is no shame or condemnation. There is no thing that you can do that would devalue you. You hold the same value. Because it's my spirit in you, he would say. I thank you for that today, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.